Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, welcome back. We haven't recorded in a while. And I texted you this uh, a couple days ago, but I have a really funny story just to like, give some more insight about how much of a loser nerd I was in like middle school. <laughs> I told you I watched MASH so often. It was my favorite show. I literally got bullied because I watched MASH because, you know, what preteen doesn't get bullied for watching a weird 1970s sitcom, whatever. But... I used to watch MASH after school, and then they took it off of the channel that I used to watch it on, and then they put it on at, like, 5 (laughs) a.m. every morning. So, without fail, I would get up at 5 a.m. to watch two episodes of MASH every single morning, and that's how I started my morning all throughout seventh grade. (laughs) That is extremely relatable to me. (laughs) I, uh, I have a superpower of being able to wake up very early without any like aid of coffee or anything. And ever since I was a kid, I've always been able to do that. And when I was a kid, I watched stuff at five in the morning too, but it wasn't anything <laughs> like cool like MASH. It was like the 5.30 a.m. rerun of like Digimon on like <laughs> Toon Disney or whatever. And like... Yeah. A show on Discovery Kids. Like, I wasn't watching anything, like, cool at 5 a.m. I wish I was like (laughs) you. (laughs) And a few years prior to me finding MASH, I'm pretty sure, I also would wake up at, like, 5 a.m. for whatever reason. And I would watch really old cartoons, like, the original cartoons of, like, Astro Boy and stuff like that. So I was just always waking up crazy early to watch old tv shows and i feel like that has paid off because now we're doing a podcast about old tv shows <laughs> how have we never talked about this i feel like me waking up so early to watch like dumb shows on tv when i was a kid is such like a weird experience that i had that i felt like no one else ever did because everyone i knew <laughs> always slept to like you know, noon as a kid. And I'm just sitting here like, I woke up at 5 a.m. to watch the series finale of Digimon Tamers, and it was pretty (laughs) cool. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Every time I would tell somebody I would wake up at 5 a.m., they'd be like, what do you do at 5 a.m.? And I'm like, um, I would never (laughs) tell them because it was kind of a dweeby thing. (laughs) Yeah, same. Same. Like, you can't tell people that. It's super late to get up early to watch TV. (laughs) If any of our listeners ever did that, please, please let us know that we're not alone. (laughs) Please. Did anyone else watch MASH and or children's anime? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but anyway, on that note, let's get into today's episode. So in this episode, Kim, a five-year-old Korean boy, ends up in the OR with some minor wounds and the camp comes together to take care of him. With his parents that are seemingly deceased, they can't really find them and they can't find his village where he comes from, Trapper decides that he wants to adopt him. But things take this really dramatic turn when the boy accidentally stumbles into a minefield close to camp. So, Ethan, I loved this episode. What did you think of it? This was a great episode. Really lovely episode. This is very cute. And it was a nice change of pace from (laughs) the kind of downer ones that we've been having for the past two weeks or so. Yeah. The other two are all, like, really intense commentary on the war and military. And this one is cute kid that everyone bonds with and like trapper wants to be a good dad to and it's like oh this is so nice and so light and then in the last act it takes such a dramatic turn i was like not expecting it at all 
but we'll get to that. I really like this one. Yeah, I was super excited to get to this one because I knew it was coming. And I think this is honestly one of my favorites of season two because it's just so sweet and wholesome and it takes a little bit of a break from the atrocities of war. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know, this this one's just, I smile all the time just thinking about it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big sucker for any story about like, cynical adults kind of being won over by like a charming kid this was really good and it wasn't overdone like kim didn't speak english at all like so it wasn't like this like precocious little boy it was just here's a cute boy who like needs a good life and we're gonna give him a good life that was it yeah and i really loved how the whole camp was kind of just taking a break from the war almost i mean they were still doing their duties of like being doctors and nurses and whatnot, but they took such joy in this little boy and they kind of were able to almost escape the terrible things that they've been dealing with for the past couple of episodes. And I just really enjoyed that. Plus, the little boy who played Kim was so cute. He was Mm -hmm. adorable. I loved him. I wanted to adopt him. (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. He was a cute kid. I really liked... uh, Of course, we're going to get into this more... But I really like Trapper in this episode. He <laughs> was a real highlight. And I think this is like the the first time he's like felt like a dad. All yeah. the other times he's just a guy who happens to have kids back home. But once he sees this little boy, he's like, if his parents are deceased or whatever, it's my responsibility as a father to take care of this child. And it was so nice and like brought a lot of... Uh, dimensionality to Trapper in a, in a really fun way. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So do you want to get into kind of more of the plot of the episode? Yes, of course. So we first get the introduction of Kim, who actually I should note, we don't know his name until the very end of the episode, but we'll get to that. So there's this little adorable boy who Hawkeye operates on, and it's established that he is probably only like five years old. And... They can't seem to find anything about his parents or where he comes from, his village, anything. They have radar, you know, check around, I guess, because that's part of radar's job. But they can't find anything about him. And so while he's recovering, the camp kind of just takes him in as their own. And I just absolutely loved it. I like the bit where Hawkeye is reading to him in bed And he's reading, like, some book. Like, they call it smut, but I don't think it's, like, a weird sex book. I think it's, like, a noir fiction or something. Mm -hmm. Frank is like, how dare you read that filth to him? And Hawkeye's just like, well, he can't speak English. So it's fine. And everyone else in the, like, infirmary is like, yeah, just keep reading. It's fun. I'm enjoying the story. (laughs) It's really light. Like we said, wholesome. I, I love the attitude of this episode. One thing that I want to go back to is that in the OR, before we introduce Kim, Hawkeye has this like really crazy line to Frank where he says, oh, Frank's not performing an operation. He's performing a premature autopsy. <laughs> that is dark, my man. <laughs> I forgot about that line. I was so wrapped up in the Kim storyline that but there were a lot of good one liners in this episode like that. Um, that's really funny. <laughs> 
Jumping ahead back to this scene with Hawkeye reading this kind of, I I would say it's a little bit smutty. It seems like it's not really meant for children's ears for sure. And Margaret and Frank come in and it seems as though they're really invested in the well-being of this little boy, like as much as Hawkeye, Trapper, and Henry are. And I think that that's just like really sweet that no one was really like a jerk in this episode. Mm-hmm. They just wanted what was best for the boy. And I liked the tip fighting that they always did but it was so sweet because it felt like they were parents just arguing about how best to raise their child and just this whole thing is so wholesome and cute with frank and margaret skipping a little bit ahead there's a scene where margaret is like taking care of kim in her tent and frank comes in like wanting to have date night and i thought that's where he was gonna take a turn because margaret won't hook up with him while kim's there that he would be like we gotta get rid of this child we gotta like come on we gotta do something like he was gonna be really vindictive Mm -hmm. about it but he wasn't he just kind of like stuck his tongue out at the kid like and it was like (laughs) a really sweet moment for frank that he wasn't overreacting and being this kind of like jerk guy that even he knew that like yeah this kid's good and we should take care of him even if it means that I can't hook up with Margaret whenever I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this really brought out the best in all of the characters, I felt, because they really just kind of rallied around this kid to give him what he needed as he recovered. And obviously, they took a lot of joy in doing that, too. So I really do think that we saw the characters at a moment that's probably one of their best so far. Mm Mm-hmm. I liked that you could tell almost right away that Trapper was really smitten with this kid. He was making him like these puppet balloons out of the gloves. He was blowing them up to, you know, make them balloons. And he said to Hawkeye that he was just like the cutest kid that he ever saw. And he was really upset when they couldn't find his parents because, you know, that meant that he was going to be sent to the orphanage. And Trapper was like viscerally upset and mad at Henry Mm -hmm. for doing this. And I really, I just, I loved this characterization of Trapper as, you know, he's this scoundrelly kind of guy, always cheating on his wife, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he is a dad and he does have those like paternal instincts. And I I really liked that. Yeah. Like I said, I love Trapper in this episode. And when they first bring up the fact that neither Hawkeye or Trapper wanted to send him to an orphanage at first i was like he can't live on camp so like what's Mm -hmm. their plan here but when trapper was like well i'm going to adopt him i just have to get permission for my wife first it's such like again this episode kind of avoided the kind of typical sitcom conflict for this story where it was like everything is going really well in terms of uh everyone liking this kid and everyone kind of doing the right thing That Mm -hmm. uh, Trapper being like, of course, I'm going to take care of this child. This is my duty. It was kind of a spiritual awakening for him. Like even uh, Father Malkihi commented on that, that uh, this was his kind of purpose for being in Korea. And then that set off the like alarm bells in my brain of like, all right, how's this going to go bad? Like, where's the conflict going to be? And I did not expect in a million years where the conflict was going to end up. Yeah, I did think it was 
to touch on the thing that you said about Trapper kind of having this spiritual awakening, I thought it was really sweet, this line that he says, I forget if it's after or before he gets permission, not permission, but his wife agrees to adopting this little boy that he says, you know, maybe this was the purpose and why I was sent to Korea in the first place. And that was just so heartwarming. And I I just have to say that I did tear up a little bit when Trapper was writing home to his wife saying that he felt so attached to this little boy and wanted to adopt him. It it literally made me almost cry. (laughs) But I agree with you that this was super like you were getting a sense of like, okay, is this actually going to happen? Or is there going to be some kind of issue that doesn't allow Trapper to adopt him. Mm -hmm. Because this is just a very uh, white episode uh, for the most part until the landmine conflict comes in. But everything about this is a good breather from the kind of heavy drama we've had in this season up until now. Again, I can't stress it enough that I just really enjoyed this episode. And I really liked this montage scene. Again, I think it's right after or maybe it's before Trapper gets the confirmation from his wife that he has the go-ahead to adopt this child. There's this montage scene of the camp taking care of this little boy. And I thought it was really, really cute when Klinger and the little boy were playing baseball and Klinger was in like a full house dress, just like throwing the ball to the little boy. (laughs) It was so funny. Yes, I really like that bit. I, I don't want to just keep saying that this episode is cute, but this episode is cute. <laughs> I, of course, love Margaret's character, right? And Margaret just continues to, even though she's kind of like hypocritical and stuff in some episodes, I just really like how she was the smartest in this kind of sense where all the guys were taking care of the kid and, you know, making him laugh and stuff like that. Well, Margaret is trying to teach him English, and that was in the scene that you had talked about where Frank is kind of upset that they can't have date night. But she's saying, you know, I'm reading to him. I'm teaching him English. Like, you know, these are important things that he needs to know, especially if he's going to go off to America. I loved that little, like, maternal initiative that she took of, like, well, here's a need that's kind of not being met at this point. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really great. And I loved uh, Frank's line, while being impatient for date night, Margaret is reading Goldilocks and like the three bears or whatever. And Margaret's translating it from Korean into English and vice versa to kind of teach him. And like Frank just goes like, are you going to do all three bears? It was, it was like <laughs> a cute little wholesome moment of Frank being impatient. Yeah, I really liked the scene. Again, I, I did like how Frank was like, he toned down the jerkiness of his typical character for this little boy. But right after this, we come to find that Frank and Margaret have taken the little boy on a picnic and they've let him wander into a landmine. And my first thought was, well, Frank and Margaret aren't ready for children, clearly. (laughs) Does Frank have children at home? You know, I don't know. I know that, again, he has a wife at home. I thought that he had kids, but I could be wrong. I don't know. No, this scene was, uh, first of all, okay. So the reveal of the little boy wandering into the landmine field was the biggest, like, whiplash I've ever experienced (laughs) watching a sitcom. It went from zero to 110 
where this is a very light <laughs> episode and suddenly this little boy is in grave danger for his, mm-hmm. for his for his life but also the fact that margaret and frank are like sitting in a picnic and like kissing and like imply that they're like going to have sex outside mm-hmm. um it goes from that to oh god the the boy is going to possibly die it was the most like abstinence ad thing that i've ever seen in my life <laughs> oh god i didn't even think of that that's so funny i was like don't have sex your child could wander off into a landmine i don't know what kind of propaganda like actually airs on tv these days <laughs> but i could 100 percent see that kind of thing literally there's like anti-drug commercials that i saw as a child where it's just like your babysitter might be smoking marijuana and let your child wander off into the backyard and drown in your pool. So make sure that your babysitter is not smoking weed. We could cut that, but like that just no, jogged my memory. <laughs> it's like the above the influence commercials. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, we find out that Kim has wandered into this landmine and Margaret teaching him English has kind of come in handy because she tells him in Korean, sit down and stay, and he listens to her. So they just keep yelling this at him the entire time while Trapper runs out into the landmine to try to save this child. And so they're directing Trapper through where the mines are. And Henry is reading this map and it turns out to be an incorrect map. It was from Germany from World War II. And Trapper is in the middle of this landmine um, with six inches of space all around him. And it's just like this really intense scene. You're, you know that Trapper's not going to blow up, right? But no, it's still like not. really intense. You're not going to kill a little boy in Trapper on yes. mass. But you're still like, oh god, no. This had the energy of the episode where the bomb lands in the camp and they're trying to defuse it. But yeah. like more hardcore because it's a child out there something about it i said this when we talked about that bomb episode but i'm the kind of guy where like you present me with stakes and i just picture the worst thing happening always Mm -hmm. so i was on the edge of my seat like during this and hawkeye says something that is kind of funny but also is incredibly dark he's like trapper don't go out there do you want to make him an orphan again it's oh like, my god. Oh my god, no. <laughs> that is <laughs> so hardcore. I think that when it comes to be that Trapper has like six inches of space in every which direction, or he'll like step on a landmine, Hawkeye says something along the lines of like, if you move six inches anywhere, you're going to be going home sooner than any of us. And it's just like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? So again, I knew how this was going to resolve, but I was still like, oh no, what if the little boy moves? What if Trapper gets blown up? (laughs) Again, I know this show, but I was still so invested in it. Present us with danger and we will assume that something will happen, even though this aired on like Monday nights on NBC. So you're not going (laughs) to see a man be like blown apart. No, definitely not. This was not Game of Thrones era. No. <laughs> Kill off your main characters. But so it does get resolved that O'Brien, who is one of the helicopter guys, comes, picks up Trapper. Trapper picks up the little boy and then they are immediately at safety. And then uh, Sister Teresa, I think her name is, comes with 
this Korean woman who turns out to be Kim's mother. And there is this really sweet reunification between Kim and his mom. But you could see how heartbroken Trapper and the rest of the camp is that, you know, they found his mom. But now, you know, Trapper loved him so much already that it was such like a loss for him. Mm -hmm. I've never seen people be so sad over a child not being an orphan. It was (laughs) uh, quite different. Uh, by the way, if you're playing the, the Mash Mouth drinking game, I once again have to comment on the helicopter being kind of cool to see because it's, again, a guy <laughs> hanging off a real helicopter. And I thought the resolution to it being we're going to bring a helicopter in felt really realistic for how this kind of conflict would uh, resolve in real life, like safety-wise. It yeah. wasn't going to be him kind of like, tiptoeing around the minefield forever they would get a helicopter to bring him out so that was pretty cool (laughs) yeah absolutely i did think that was cool and i must say that i was like inches from my screen trying to see if it was actually wayne rogers on the helicopter or not and i don't think it was no i think (laughs) that's a stunt man through and through yeah because i am uh i always like to see if someone's like really doing dangerous things on Mm -hmm. a tv set so that's just me yeah i also just thought it was really good acting from wayne rogers as well because again you could tell that he was so in love with this little boy um and ready to adopt him his family was really excited because in the letter that his wife sent him he said that his two daughters were really excited to have a little brother and the fact that it fell through was just so heartbreaking and you could tell that he was trying to deflect and be like you know it's better this way whatever the case was but you could tell he was just so sad and it it made me sad too yeah Again, I was anticipating something to happen to kind of bring in conflict into this episode. And I was not anticipating the landmine thing. So when that happened, I was like, okay, so the the conflict is landmine. They're going to bring him out and Trapper's going to adopt him. See, unlike a lot of other like sitcoms where something like this is introduced where adopting a kid would be a major status quo change, they're so separated from their family that I was willing to buy that they're going to make this change for Trapper that when it was surprise, the mom is okay and alive and wants her son, I was really caught off guard and kind of disappointed that Trapper didn't get to adopt this boy as his son. Yeah, I agree. And then the scene after the, like the final scene Radar actually comes in and he says, you know, there's there's other local orphaned Korean children that I was thinking maybe you'd want to adopt. And I thought that that was honestly kind of sweet. And in my mind, I like to think that Trapper maybe um, when he left the show, maybe did adopt a Korean child because I, I like that wholesomeness of that idea and of course they they make a joke out of it they they kind of suggest that trapper is going to uh, adopt radar and it's it's played for laughs but it was interesting to think that this was going to actually like follow through and going to happen um because it would be such like a big change for this character even though you wouldn't necessarily see it on screen after this episode if it had gone through yeah like i said a lot of sitcoms when this situation is brought up or a similar situation you kind of know it isn't going to work out because they aren't going to introduce 
a child into this cast in like episode eight of season two or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, this has such a different circumstance where if Trapper adopts a child in the US, like that doesn't affect his shenanigans over here. So right. like I was kind of fully bought into the fact that like this could happen. And like I said, a little disappointed that they didn't pull that trigger I mean, of course, it's, like, nice that his, like, proper biological mother is alive, but <laughs> it's just so sad that Trapper got so excited to have a have another child and, like, be a father and have a purpose in Korea beyond getting drafted. Like, when it didn't work out, I, I really felt it, and it was, like, kind of genuinely disheartening. Yeah, I agree with you on that one completely. Again, like I said... I was so disappointed that he couldn't adopt this boy. Again, I was happy that he was reunited with his biological Mm -hmm. mother, but I was so disappointed that he couldn't adopt this boy in my head. In my head, canon, (laughs) Trapper gets to adopt another Korean boy. Yeah. (laughs) I do have to say, though, I watched this episode not too long ago, maybe a couple of months ago, and all I could really think about in that original watch of it was... Wow, he kept saying that his wife was so great and how much he like loved his family. Meanwhile, he's cheating on his wife this entire time. I'm like, come on, dude, maybe maybe stop. <laughs> Constant. All he does is cheat on his wife and make jokes about it. It's bad. <laughs> I think that to me, I kind of even though I did have those thoughts, I still kind of liked this episode uh, humanizing Trapper a little bit more, even though we do see him like being a good person and being a good doctor and whatnot. And I think in one of the Dear Dad episodes, I believe it was, Trapper was the one who was uh, administering all the vaccines to the local kids. So it was kind of established before this that Trapper had a soft spot for children. And I I did like that continuity. Again, even though he's kind of an asshole for cheating on his wife, but that's besides the point. (laughs) I mean, yeah. No, you're right. I like this very subtle continuity of Trapper being a dad. Because so often he is... uh, like lecherous and being a, a goofball and uh, just kind of sleeping with women, even though he's married. But he, it is established that he is, at the end of the day, like a family man. And this is just extremely extenuating circumstances for him to not be with his family. Yeah, and I, I would like to think that in this episode and in episodes previous where Trapper has a little bit more of a heart, I guess, or like a softer spot, I would like to think that... If not for being in Korea, like, he wouldn't be just serially cheating on his wife. So, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) So, I wanted to ask you, before I go into trivia, what were some of your favorite lines in this episode? (laughs) So, there's a bit where Trapper is blowing up this, uh, this rubber glove to kind of make a balloon for Kim. And Hawkeye says, like, what's that, a pregnant bagpipe? And Trapper goes bagpipes get pregnant and Hawkeye <laughs> responds yeah of course they do they make all those weird noises and it was just such a like <laughs> such a funny exchange I loved it I liked that line too also visually I loved when Radar sleeping next to Kim and Kim has Radar's teddy bear and Radar just slowly takes the teddy bear away from Kim it was just such a nice funny totally visual gag yeah that was really cute i liked that a lot my favorite was (laughs) this has absolutely like nothing to do with the episode but 
they're in the mess tent after they operate on Kim and they're kind of talking about him. And Klinger walks by and Hawkeye says, we'll take our check now, miss. And Klinger says, sorry, it's not my table. And of course, Klinger is dressed in like full female, you know, attire. And it was just so funny. I actually paused the episode because it just struck me as so, so funny. There's also another line that while they were in the landminer, while Trapper was in the landminer, I should say, (laughs) and they were trying to navigate it with him. Henry says something along the lines of like, okay, uh, this equals like one and a half inches and my thumb is three inches. And someone asks Henry, how do you know your thumb is three inches? And he goes, I've always known my thumb is three inches. And for some reason, when we got to this episode, I knew that he was going to say that. Like it popped into my mind. It was the first thing when I saw that this was our next episode. I was like, this is the thumb episode. I love little, I love stuff like that so much. I have so many experiences like that where I'm like, oh, this is the episode where this one line of dialogue that's in my head happens. (laughs) It's my favorite thing. I love it. And I just, I'm always like, how big is my thumb after (laughs) every single time I watch this episode? (laughs) Bring out the tape measure. (laughs) So I do have some trivia. It's not necessarily about this episode, but um, I wanted to research a little bit about adoption in the Korean War. So while I was researching whether this was a typical thing, like um, an American soldier or American GI adopting an orphaned Korean child, I came across the history of actually like South Korean adoption. So there was this couple, Harry and Bertha Holt, And they're actually credited for um, popularizing U.S. families adopting Korean children after the Korean War. So the family set out to adopt eight Korean children in need of families after they were orphaned from the war for various reasons. But they could only do this by getting both houses of Congress to pass a law stating that they could adopt these children. So while Harry Holt, um, the husband, went to Korea to be with and care for these eight children that they planned to adopt... Bertha Holt lobbied Congress by like writing to senators and writing to the House of Representatives to allow her and her husband to adopt these children. And on August 12, 1955, Eisenhower signed an act for the relief of certain Korean war orphans or the Holt Bill. And he signed that into law that stated the Holts could adopt all eight Korean children. Like they are specifically named in this one small act of this like whole big uh, bill that was signed into law. And it said that they would legally be considered their natural born children. And after the Holtz adopted the children, they started Holt International as an adoption agency in Korea and continued their work throughout the Vietnam War era of adopting out children who were orphaned during wars in other countries. And they're actually still an organization today and they do amazing work. And I'm going to link this in the description of our episode. So if anyone's interested, they can read up more about it. But I thought that that was so, so amazing. And the Holtz are actually American sorry, heroes. Yeah, (laughs) the Holtz are considered the people who kind of popularized and like made possible the adoption of foreign children into America. And I thought that that was so amazing. That is great. I love hearing that. That was so cool. Good for them that this one couple fought so hard that they made a bill happen. Who who else can say that? That is uh, pretty... (laughs) 
pretty small minority of people get to claim that they've done that, so that's pretty rad, dude. I loved hearing that. I love whenever you have historical context to bring to the show. I think it is so fun and brings a lot of different perspectives into this otherwise, like, very silly program that we do. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I hope our listeners enjoy it, too, because I had no idea that this was even, like, a thing, and it's so cool, and I love researching it, so I'm Mm going to keep it up. (laughs) We're going to do more Vanessa's History Corner, and we are going to give you a theme. I'm going to figure that out next time. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ethan, after all of that, what is your martini rating for this episode? I mean, after all this glowing that we've done of just saying how much we like it, could I give it anything other than a 5 out of 5 martinis? I think this is a great, delightful little episode and is so fun and ultra dramatic last act really kind of brings variety to it. So I think it's a solid 5 out of 5. I have no complaints. I will agree with you on that one. It was fully five out of five martinis. I am straight up wasted from this episode. Loved it. Loved it so much. I I don't think I could have asked for a better, just wholesome episode out of these lovely characters who are usually very cynical. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Good time. Don't get wasted around children. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know. (laughs) So... Just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Virabalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always, and we love to hear from our listeners. We've been getting a few more messages, and we absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. And join us next week for our discussion on Season 2, Episode 7, LIP, or Local Indigenous Personnel. But until then, please do not babysit next to a landmine. (laughs) Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 